0: Afternoon and welcome to Lunchtime Series with Kevin, International Leadership Coach, Facilitator, Trainer, and Indirect Force for Change in the World, adding value to people's lives. This show happens every week on eBusRadio.com. You can catch the Lunchtime Series on all major podcast channels available today. And uh, in today's conversation, we have a speaker who is a business owner and an author of five times best selling books Uh, is chatting to us about enabling businesses to create immediate and sustainable growth. Uh, We're chatting to the marketing, uh, or at least the managing partner, of Be More Effective, Bob Haywood. Hello, Bob. How are you doing? Yes, very well. Thank you, Kevin. Lovely to be with you. Thank you very much for the invitation. And thank you for joining us. Um, I, I think that you know w- when you hear the the name of your company, it speaks exactly to to what it is you do. <laughs> Be <Being> more effective, <laughs> and I think we could, we could do with a bit more of that in the in the world. Um, so Bob, I mean, to kick off today's show, why don't you just tell us tell us more about who you are and what you do, and just give us some background and a rundown of that.
1: Uh, well, I started at a very young age, um, so I, I've I've had one of those careers that you probably could not design, um, yeah. so I can't um, claim that I had this wonderful intuition as an 18-year-old and knew exactly what I was going to do. Um, so I've had a career which has spanned the creation of seven companies. I started actually my my career, my first job was as a nurse, so um, I I'm a doubly qualified nurse. I, I trained in psychiatry. I stayed, trained in general nursing. I trained in ITU um, and uh, did reasonably well in that, was working at Guy's Hospital in the latter stages in London. Uh, then couldn't get the speed of promotion I wanted. I think my competitiveness and desire to um, make a better future for myself and my family that kind of entrepreneurial spirit was always there alongside my care and compassion and that's what got me involved in starting businesses Um, and in the later years that that business development has become one of those businesses i spend um, most of my time very pleasurably working with organizations big and small trying to work on growth strategies for individuals trying to get them more skilled more focused uh, being more productive themselves and obviously clients overall want an increase in their, their growth and, uh, in terms of sales and profits. So I spend a lot of time working on that as well.
0: Fantastic. So uh, um, as you mentioned, that you, uh, it's, been, it's been a bit of a, a growth process for you and it's sort of an evolution of where you are today.
1: Uh, absolutely. I think my, the pivot point really in my career was when I studied psychiatry. Yeah, Because that's really what drew me into um, what makes human beings, you and me, what makes you and me tick, what what chance have we got of influencing somebody, whether they be well mentally or whether they be unwell mentally, the, the ability of you or I to influence others is significant. You know, we can't persuade people, we can't manage people, we can't sell to people we have trouble educating ourselves or children if we cannot influence another human being to turn left or turn right then fundamentally we're, we're quite challenged so even communication itself if you take the topic of persuasion and influence out of it the topic of, of communication how do you really get ideas across how do you help somebody else absorb those thoughts and those processes i find the whole thing absolutely fascinating and i suppose i've spent most of my life since those days, trying to understand people better and trying to work with them more effectively. So that yeah. was probably the pivot point.
0: When and I'm I mean, psychiatry. It is, you know, considering considering that because essentially, you know, there's so many facets uh, when it comes to dealing with people in the first place, and uh, you know what differences and what considerations they are. Um, but is there, is there something that, that's sort of missing? Is there a missing ingredient, something that, that, that we've, we've, we might be missing and that you could maybe share with us about and speak to us about today? I think the
1: missing ingredient <clears throat> often in business um, is called profit. And uh, that's really why The Profit Secret was created as, a, as the book. So I've just come out of a a meeting with a client, working with them on their sales strategy. They've got a um, a fascinating product which will be used in the world of construction. And inevitably, the conversation comes down to price. Our competitors are selling this at X and we're wanting to sell it at X plus and that's making life difficult. And so we often put, customer service we're not listening to our customers hard enough we need to listen to the market more up front we often put pricing strategies up front if we're going to get our product or our services across and sell at any reasonable volume we've got to get the pricing strategy right so i think these two things or at least they're two of the things that have taken precedence over what really matters to me in the business because if you If you satisfy the customers brilliantly and give it to them nice and cheap, there's a big risk that you're actually not gonna make much of a profit. And what is the point of being in a business unless you're adding value to everybody in the whole process? Customers, suppliers, staff, yourself. It's pointless and we can't do that without profit. And I think somehow we've forgotten that if you're going to be a profitable business, you've probably got to think an awful lot harder about how you add value into this whole process and what that value is made up of. Yeah. And if you force yourself to go, right, I've got to make a decent profit out of this, you, you've got to change your whole approach. Well, you haven't got to. You can go broke if you want. If, if you change your whole approach and put profit at the center, it forces a much tougher conversation about, How do you define the value that you add to people and how can you commercialize it? And for me, that's often what I'm talking to salespeople about. It's often what I'm talking to business owners about. Profit, I think, is is missing in an awful lot of businesses and an awful lot of salespeople's minds today.
0: And in, in terms of breaking that down, so like just for everyone listening out there, are there, are there, you know, steps to breaking it down? Are there ways that you can sort of unpack, you know, what does profit mean? Like how are you, uh, are there elements to it and how you could actually break it down to more like, uh, like terms of, uh, you know, this is something, part of your considerations that you need to sort of understand about what the profit secret is?
1: Yes. There, as as any good trainer would, um, you can put a process together. You've got to put a model together to help people understand it. I think it's, the simplest way of expressing it is that we, you and I, are not going to part with our hard-earned cash unless we're going to do something that is relevant and meaningful to us. And yeah. the the need. Or the wish or the want that we have as a uh, as a consumer or as a purchaser of services on a B two B level, it has got to be the starting point. And quite often, we as a as a as a purchaser don't always understand the needs that we have. We think we do. Uh, whereas, if you know, I often say to us. A, a, one of my clients sells uh second hand Porsches and they will sell between twenty and thirty to forty second hand Porsches a month wow. to different people. And yeah, there aren't many people that would sell or buy twenty to thirty to forty Porsches in a month. So no. the person who's doing the buying is buying thirty Porsches a month. Each of the sales people are selling 10 or 15 Uh, Porsches a month these guys know a shed load about buying and selling Porsches then you or me turn up and we want to buy a Porsche and we think we're the expert yeah now we probably understand ourselves better than most people true that doesn't mean we really understand the value of what we're asking people to help us with and therefore the Trusted advisor, the consultant of salesperson, has a much better chance these days of unraveling that if they take the position that part of their job is to hyper-qualify the needs because the sale is only made in the pain of the present. Most salespeople think, most buyers think, that they make the decision to buy because of the features and the benefits of the future. Well, we don't. Yeah, yeah. We make the decision to buy um, based on the pain of the present. And therefore, unless we can unravel that and start to attribute value to it, then we're going to struggle. So I think part of the process is getting out of the head of the typical sales approach, which is, our products or service has got this feature, and it's got these benefits. Yeah, um, for me, that's the wrong starting point. Without something that absolutely is resonating with the prospect, with the buyer, nothing's going to work.
0: Absolutely. So, so if I'm hearing you correctly, understanding the pain in the present moment and. And addressing that for the client at that moment right now is why a client will buy?
1: Yes, there is something going on, which may be, maybe it's not negative. Maybe it's, it's yeah I, I want to go, on, I'm, uh, you and I were talking just before we came on here that, that my next holiday will be to walk the West Island way. And you might say, well, look, you bought that without there being a problem you bought that because there was an opportunity to go for a nice walk. Well, yeah, in fairness, but I could have bought that. I could have bought that service from any number of companies that offered me an organized trip from A to B. Why did I pick the company I did? And why did I pick the holiday to start with? Why did I decide it had to be a walking holiday? And why did I pick Scotland? All of those opportunities, all of those decision points are usually made emotionally not logically and it isn't always possible for us to understand them fully ourselves as individuals when we sit down with a counselor sometimes called a salesperson a trusted advisor um, or someone who's approaching this as a consultant um, we can we can almost have a therapy session and get to grips with really what are we trying to accomplish or what problems are we trying to solve and if you can get back to that core conversation it's so important i mean we we probably all got used to the wonderful powers of google and most of us using google will either type a solution into the google search engine or we'll type a problem yeah and um up will come a variety of options and You know, far more buyers these days, be it B2B or B2C, have done that kind of search long before you or I turn up as a consultant, as a trusted advisor, as a therapist. And there is a risk that we kind of take over where Google left off. And then you're just dealing with a transaction. Now, if I want a can of Coke, I'm going to put a pound in the machine and I'm going to get a can of Coke. I don't need a consultant. I don't need a therapist. If I'm going to work out the best possible holiday for me and my wife to meet all the needs and the wishes that I have, I'm better off talking to somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah, Not trying to map it out myself. And I think that's, that's the process that we've got to uncover. Uh, and we've got to spend time thinking about, you know, wearing the shoes of the Indian and walking a mile in his shoes is a wonderful metaphor. And too often as a salesperson, person, we, We don't go back to that position where we're trying to wear the moccasins. We've got used to carrying a hammer. And of course, if if you're carrying a hammer, then the only thing that you're looking for is a nail. (laughs) We've (laughs) got to go back to the position where we haven't got a hammer. We haven't got a solution.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm agnostic on the solution. I just want to understand your needs and your problems and your wishes and your wants and your dreams. Yeah. I just want to get to grips with that just tell me far more about it and too many of us rush too soon into i've got a i've got a hammer i've got a solution i've got a product i've got a service it's got so many features and so many benefits
0: and there isn't enough value in that there isn't so so bob i mean i uh, i i absolutely love that you know and it's uh you know from an nlp perspective and i know you know this You know, it's, um, are you trying to move away from the the pain or are you trying to move towards the pleasure? You know, so I I love the pain and pleasure sort Mm. of reference to that. And when your brain sort of gets to to understand what is this person trying to achieve inevitably, then, you know, that's where, you know, you start finding your answers. To that point, what is your take on the importance of relationship building? You know, as a consultant, as a salesperson, as uh, the person selling the Porsches, um do i build relationships with these people or, or do i just treat them a, as a number and i think that's also you know perhaps the the answer to i uh, you know walking around with a hammer in, in your hand um just because you have something to sell doesn't mean everyone wants to buy it you know so you, you know what is your take on building relationships with with uh, your clients and people who potentially could become your clients um how important do you think building relationships is?
1: Well, if you take the position that you're gonna become a teacher, you're gonna become a therapist, you're gonna become a trusted advisor, the relationship is fundamental. Without trust, there is no sale. Without relevance, there is no sale. Um, if, if I cannot um, get you to trust me, If I can't come across across as a trustworthy person, you're not going to open up. Yeah. If you're not going to open up about what's really going on, then I'm never going to be able to work out what's really valuable to you. And if in working out what's really valuable to you, I've got to earn your trust. then I have to put that first. I have to build a relationship with you. I can't just walk in and just say, okay, you know, tell me about the problem. Now, there, there was a really top, top salesperson for an insurance company in the UK who yeah. had an appointment maker who would make the appointment on his behalf. He'd walk in to see the prospect, and he'd say, Kevin, nice to meet you. What's the problem? <laughs> that, that was his whole sales approach. Now, he was a very successful guy. There's very few people who can pull it off to walk in on a first meeting having never met you before, and go, Kevin, what's the problem? Uh, Now, most people, uh, this guy, John, uh, said, would say, what do you mean, what's the problem? I just met you. And he said, yeah, but you know I'm a financial advisor. My appointment maker said that, and you agreed to the appointment. So why don't we stop dancing around the handbags, and you just tell me what the problem is, and I'll fix it for you. Now, there are are so few people who can pull that off.
0: Hmm.
1: That is, it's much easier, in a sense, I say, why wouldn't I? Because this is is my personality style. For me to go, Kevin, one of the most important things for you and I to agree on is whether we can actually work together. Whether we can have some degree of rapport and some degree of respect. And Forget what I do and forget what you do for a minute. Human to human, are we okay? And if I can't establish some kind of fundamental rapport and trust with you, you're not going to tell me anything that I can work out any value from i I can't work from your self-interest if i don't know what is your self-interest i can only work from mine if i'm going to put down my hammer if i'm going to put down my self-interest lay down my hammer and go kevin i'm just here for you and you believe me such that you tell me everything you need to it's going to be impossible for me to work out the added value that i could bring I'm just, you might as well stick it into Google and buy something on the cheap.
0: So, so with that comes really interrogating the information and kind of really getting as much information out of this person as possible. you wanting to be, you want to be asking questions so that, that this person's speaking and you're listening because with your listening, you're receiving more information.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. One of my phrases is clean language. Clean language came from therapy. Um, It's a shame that the guy who developed clean language as a therapy never actually wrote a book about it himself. Some of his um, students did. There's a couple of good books about clean language that you can find on Amazon and other good bookshops. So in clean language, you're trying to break down the metaphors that we all use. So, somebody says, "Yeah, walking holiday' is really important to me, well, yeah, walking and holidays are both metaphors. What do you mean yeah. walking? Yeah, so if I can get someone to tell me what they mean by walking and why that that's important to them, I've got a chance to understand them at a deeper level. What do you mean by holiday? I mean, everybody thinks you know what somebody says or somebody means when they say I want to go on a holiday. Well, we don't." we're just making an assumption and you know you can split that word into three syllables and it makes a bottom of you and me. Yeah. It's really important to go, uh, I know you've just talked about a left-handed widget and we can all know what left-handed widgets are. Could you just tell me what it means to you and start again? Treat me like an idiot. Yeah. Because if I can really get inside your head, then I understand not only what your problem solution must have i'll also understand what would be nice for it to have and if i really listen very well i'll be able to work out the icing on the cake and the cherry on top generally speaking when a business or um, a consumer is attempting to buy something or they're trying to solve a problem or, or, or come up with some kind of solution but they don't always really understand that world and therefore an expert in that world can take two or three statements that a, a prospect says add them together and go from my experience of buying and selling 30 porsches a month for the last umpteen dumpty years i know what you need you need this yeah and the person listening goes that's right that's right how, how did you know How did you know that's what I wanted? I could not express it myself. Wow. Now I can can put almost, almost any value I want on that because I have worked out the icing and the cherry on the cake. And now you've realized what you want. And the scary thing is none of my competitors
0: will have done that. So where are you going to get the price check? and that whole everything you've just explained comes down to you, human speaking to human that's got mm. nothing to do with <laughs> it's got nothing to do with the Porsche it's got oh. nothing to do with the amount of the Porsche it's got to do with me as a human speaking to you as human mm. and you've solved something for me and you've given me an answer that my brain sort of connected to and you went, yes that's the point that's why I'll buy mm.
1: right I mean Jeff Dahl talks about it as hyper qualification in his book Mastering a Complex Self. He talks about hyperqualification he he's right It doesn't matter which of the sales gurus you go to, whether you go to um um you know, Zig Ziglar, help enough people get what they want, and you can have anything you want. well yeah. first of all, you've got to work out what it is they really want. you know the spice girls said it right. What do you want? What do you really really want and <laughs> yes. most of us most of us, despite living in this body for me it's sixty six years of living in this body. But most of us, in living in that body, we don't actually know what it is we really, really want. Yeah. And if so, because we've only bought one Ferrari, or we've only bought one Sage two hundred system, or we've only bought one um, construction provider to build my new block of flats, we're not actually the expert on it. And if somebody who's prepared to sit there as a as a relationship builder, as a trust builder who's prepared to lay down their hammer and go, Kevin, I'm just here for you. I, I'm, It would be amazing if I could help you work out what you really, really want. Yeah. And we complicate selling. We complicate it. And we put all these extra layers and languages and processes. And, and I know that I do that as a trainer because I'm going to try and teach you a process. So I come up with a process and it's got step one and step two and step three. If you put that on one side... I need to really build a relationship with you i need to really get inside your head and work out those three or four sentences that you really really would be sensible for you to put together you've not thought about them going together and if i can help you put them together man have we got an answer and the price tag well it's kind of up to me
0: so, I mean, and, and, I mean, I just love the way that you framed it because it's something I'm, I'm currently doing. I'm currently, you know, working with a client um, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to share this video with him. And uh, it's, it's around the framing of inf- language that we use. And I love that you mm-hmm. use clean language as, as a sentiment because part of what I want to frame is you're actually there building relationships with people. And the mm. better you build a relationship with that person, the more likely that person's going to be, you know, you're going to have that person at, uh, you know, the tip of your tongue kind of thing at, mm. or saved on your phone, kind of like, oh, who can I phone about travel? And it, you'll be that go-to kind of person. Mm. And if you don't take the time to build a relationship with the people you're, you're speaking to and selling to at the end of the day, um, you know, you're also, you're just potentially wasting time. You're just wasting your own time because oh, like… absolutely.
1: Yeah, you know, we, we need to
0: do at the end of the day. Yeah,
1: and we often we often are talking to the wrong people. We, we, you know, one of the challenges for the client I've been working with this morning is I'm not sure they really know who their best prospects are. Yeah, and so you bang on the door of someone who's not your best possible prospect, um, where you're you've not really worked it out at a fundamental level. What are the real issues we can solve? What are the pains that we can really take away? You know, and, and from a business development point of view, whether you listen to you know, uh, Mr. Vern and Vern Harnish and his, his wonderful growth strategies, or whether you listen to um, Jeff Gitger from the Sales Bible or Zig Ziglar, we're all saying the same stuff. Yep. There has to be fundamentally something that has significant value for you that I can do. And I've got to work that out first. Because otherwise, as salespeople, we end up running around like a crazy lunatic with a big net, trying to catch these wonderful <laughs> butterflies. Yeah. Instead of working out where, where the butterflies eat, and you know, I did that on a, on, a, on another trip with a friend of mine in France. He wanted. He was asked to catch um, day flying moths, a certain type of day flying moth, um, and he was he was known um, by the BBC. Uh, Our main TV channel over here, apart from my TV and a few others. Um, But he was known to catch different um, butterflies and moths for David Attenborough. Yeah. And he was hired to catch six of these particular day flying moths. And I just happened to be on holiday with him. He took all his kit. I followed him around for a whole day trying to catch these stupid butterfly. And then towards the end of the day, (laughs) we stood by this red bush and there was about half a dozen of these butterflies just floating around the bush. They they don't rest. They eat uh, um, on whilst they're flying. Their wings are still flapping. They, if they rest, that's at night when they go to sleep. Um, but there was like six of these butterflies feeding off of this bush. And I said to them, a guy called Paul, "How comes there's so many butterflies around this bush?" And he said, "Oh, this is one of their favourite foods." there's they, they love this stuff. And I said, why have we spent hours walking across the countryside looking for these butterflies? Why don't we just stand here and let the butterflies <laughs> come to us? And we do that as business people. We do, it's, it's crazy. We run around instead of going, hey, let me create a fragrant garden and attract the right kind of butterflies. Let me fish. where the, If I want to catch shark, then let me work out where the shark eats and I'll go fish there. Yeah. Uh, but that again is understanding at a pain level at a need level, what is going to resonate with other people because unless it resonates, they're not interested unless it has um significant value and is significantly different, then they're going to argue about other issues like price and, blech, don't like that um and unless we can substantiate all of that, we haven't got a chance, so if it doesn't resonate, if it doesn't differentiate and we can't substantiate it, we're lost.
0: Yeah, it all starts with that resonance. For me, absolutely, I love that. Uh, <laughs> I, I love that. I love that knowledge. Just like you know, why we walk around. I mean, we could just be standing <laughs> at the bush. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so bob if we if we if we have to sort of summarize i mean it's been such a good conversation i mean like the last time we had such a fun conversation as well and but i mean if we had to summarize this and kind of put it all into sort of how do we implement these ideas and sort of go okay cool this is yes the next few steps that i'm going to take to start implementing and and really uh understand what profit means to me and how do i implement and how do i you know differentiate and how do i find you know the exactly what it is i want to do and add value what are the next steps that we do what are five steps you can tell us
1: well i think if if you put if you start off by putting value or money because all value is not money let's be sure we understand that if you put value as as the get-go that's the starting point then you've got to first of all talk about value to the prospect whoever the prospect is and you really need to fine tune that And work very hard on you know even before you start a business sometimes is is really bottoming out what what is somebody going to value what and what would that value bring to them on a day-to-day basis what value would it bring to them on on a week by week basis or over the course of their lifetime because someone needs a return on their investment if they're gonna part with time or effort or energy in a relationship with you or money if they're buying something it must have a return on their investment. So I think that yeah. is the starting point. Now, if you put that return on investment strategy for the consumer, for the purchaser, as your starting point, then it, all the other equations begin to change. Because yeah. if if they need that amount of value back, then you've got to work out how you give that value back. Yeah. That's for me. Is the second step where we look at our own business and go, right? I'm selling shelters for construction sites or waste sites. All, all I do is cover waste material and stop it blowing away and stop it getting dry. You know, the, my purchaser is not going to spend fifty thousand pounds on a shelter unless I'm giving him back a hundred and fifty, two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand pounds. What? What's that equation? How can I deliver that much value? Because that changes the products and services that we then start to pull together. So I think that's the second step. You have to build your business proposition based on the core premise that there must be a significant return on investment for the ultimate user and purchaser. You have to map that journey and work it out. You then work out what services and what options you can add that are gonna create that value then of course you've got a, a magical formula to pull together that has to deal with what they must have, what would be nice to have, and it must we must be able to find the cherry on top. We must be able to find the plus one. Now, of course, that means you then got to look at a business proposition and go, well, if we've got to deliver that, how are you going to deliver it? And that will have an influence on the structure and your organization. It of course changes your proposition, it changes your marketing. But you know who your ultimate consumer is. If you know who your ultimate consumer is, then you should be able to find out where they eat. You should be able to find out where they network. You should be able to work out what garden, what flowers are going to attract them. Well, that's the sales and marketing engine. That comes next. I think the final part of it is, is to realize that when you do put a sales strategy together, that it must contain those the three legs on that chair You must yeah. have A differentiator You must be different enough You do not have to be better You do not have to be cheaper You just have to be different A yeah. Ferrari is different from a Porsche A DeWalt Is different from a Black & Decker The pricing strategy is almost In my mind relevant, irrelevant But it has to be different enough There are enough people who want your difference For you to make a very successful business if you're clear on what that difference is and what value it's going to add. Yeah. So I think if you put the difference together, the resonation together, and you then learn to substantiate it. Customers no longer believe, in my view, salesman's blah, blah, yeah. nor do I believe they buy into marketing, blah, blah, unless we can substantiate it. And if we're going to build long-term, trust-filled relationships, we have to be able to substantiate things.
0: That would be my last step. Bob, I I absolutely love that. I think (laughs) uh, there's so much that we. I I think we should have you back, and you should talk about more of your books and more of everything that you do <laughs> oh, <laughs> because it's you. been so fantastic please tell us i mean like uh, all your links are going to be in the description box below but uh, i know that you have uh, some best-selling books on uh, on amazon at the moment where what are the books called and uh, uh, where can we go find these well
1: if if you look for my company which is called be yeah then that would be the easiest place i think to go um, you can find me on LinkedIn, of course you can, under the name Bob Hayward, but there's probably a few Bob Haywards. Uh, but Be More Effective is is definitely um, is my go-to website. There are a few books that you could find on, on Amazon and other good um, bookstores, but I think if you just type into amazon.co.uk, we'll find it definitely. Amazon.com pretty much works. Even if you type Bob Hayward into Amazon Books, then you'll see a number of them that will come up. Uh, The two that are probably the most popular are The Profit Secret and Persuade. Persuade we wrote before we wrote The Profit Secret, and it is about a much wider topic around communication rather than The
0: Profit Secret, which is all about sales and marketing. But that's probably the easiest way to get hold of me. Fantastic. Bob, thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on the Lunchtime Series. Guys, you can catch us uh, on ebizradio.com every week uh, around lunchtime. And uh, that's it for uh, today. Th- uh, Bob, thank you and chat to Pleasure. you soon. Thank you Cheers very much. Bye, bye, Kevin. Bye.